Hello, everybody, and welcome to another exciting adventure at the Hub World. Today's quest will have us covering James Gunn's DC Universe. My name is Mateo, and today our party members are... Just Jules. Yes, it is Just Jules. Gino is preoccupied at the moment. So whether you're joining our adventure from YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, be sure to like and subscribe. Just before we sort of start our DC films discussion we're actually going to do a little quick housekeeping because it's been a while uh also before that we did say we were going to do a game awards wrap-up sort of discussion and i'm sure we're going to mention maybe a few things from the game awards and housekeeping but the james gunn dc universe just is the gift that keeps on giving there's so many things that we just wanted to talk about about dc that game awards kind of took the back seat i mean here. if i'm being honest just to kick off housekeeping i don't know if it's so much that dc took the front seat i just think that the game awards was severely disappointing and there was barely anything to talk about uh, like there was a few big announcements like hades 2 which is really shocking because Supergiant, the developers actually never made a sequel for any of their games before and hades 2 kind of came out of nowhere in that regard and then for me personally transformers reactivate is the game i'm most looking forward to i'm a huge transformers fan gino and riley are as well and like this there's been a lot of leaks about this game and it's going to be a third person transformers game similar to war for cybertron and fall of cybertron which are incredible games and then the other thing i want to talk about is the fact that microsoft was just a no-show at this Game Awards. They didn't win anything. Mind you, they didn't have a lot of nominees. I mean, but you got to have a game come out in the year for there to be a Well, they would have had win. Pentiment if they counted it, but they didn't. And Pentiment's going to be overshadowed next year. But they didn't announce anything. And, and the theory behind that is the Federal Trades Commission is looking at the Activision Blizzard acquisition. And so they didn't want to announce anything in fear that that might sway the vote. And then also, apparently, Microsoft is going to be doing some sort of presentation early in 2023. So if they announced anything at the Game Awards, it would take that away from their own showcase. So, yeah, I mean, I I just think in general, the Game Awards has become a, I don't know, I, I think the last few years, and I said this a lot in our Game Awards predictions, I just think that the Game Awards has kind of become a joke the way that they handle things. And I think that it was very clear throughout that show that it was. And I think it's an opportunity for indies and um, other devs like EA and Ubisoft to highlight some things because they're not going to get eaten alive by Nintendo or Xbox or PlayStation announcements. But I think it's very clear. Like, look at our three major publishers, Xbox, Nintendo, and Sony did not show up. Because I, they don't just don't care. And I think that that is a testament to how little the Game Awards actually means. Because I think Jeff Keighley really holds it back. Um, and I think they, they need to restructure it moving forward if they want to be taken seriously. Especially this year, there were a lot of cringy moments. Like Christopher Judge, his win was well-deserved. But you can't let someone talk for like 10 minutes straight in a speech. Because they gave him 10 minutes, but then every other person that had an acceptance speech after him got the music played on them and they could barely speak. I think it was something like every other speech combined was still shorter than Christopher Judge. And then obviously 
Bill Clinton kid at the end. Like, you got to have the security there. Yeah. How does that kid get on stage? I know he got arrested after, but, like, anyone could have been on there. Like, who knows? That kid could have done something, right? Like, it's a huge black eye for the, the show. And they have two of them. No, it wasn't just two, though. That's the thing, is it's severely throughout, right? Like, when Hades 2 is one of your biggest announcements, like, that's not... I'm, I love Hades. I think Hades is a super incredible game, but Hades 2 shouldn't be the biggest announcement at the Game Awards. Well, Armored, like, there was also Armored Core, but... I know, but even like these, these are all like these smaller announcements, and I just feel like their announcements aren't there. Yeah, like there were issues with like Christopher Judge speaking too long and um, Bill Clinton kid, but then also things like even with the Player's Choice Award, like Genshin Impact bots, like stuffing the ballot to make that game win, even when it didn't come out in this year. Like the fact that he was even nominated this year for Player's Choice is kind of questionable. And then like, what happened was even more questionable. You have things like we talked about in the podcast about like the same games being nominated in every category, even if they didn't deserve to be there just because they're the big names. You have a m- bunch of games that should have been nominated in categories that aren't because they have wanted to keep their beginning of December date. So they just don't meet the cutoff. Like there's so many issues with the game awards that it's hard to take it seriously. It's really difficult for me to sit there as a gamer who plays the majority of the games that come out in the year and actually take it seriously. It doesn't seem like there's a respect for the industry. At least IGN uh, categorized Elden Ring properly <laughs> for their awards. The biggest gaming media outlet put Elden Ring as in, uh, I think it was a best action game. They didn't nominate it for best RPG. So we'll actually have a more traditional type of RPG winning I that guess. award i mean but, my argument was never that it shouldn't be shouldn't be nominated for rpg it's that it shouldn't only be an rpg mm-hmm. right like that's that's the thing but anyway you can listen to that up here we removed it from the actual podcast and put a nice little video here of my rant about why elden ring shouldn't have been nominated for rpg of the year and definitely shouldn't have won and if you're having a lot of fun with that join in the conversation in the comments because it's been pretty active other things for housekeeping I just wanted to mention, tying back to Game Awards, there was a game that I have been meaning to play. I bought it when it came out. I've been meaning to play, and it actually won its category, and that's Bayonetta 3. I'm about halfway done the game right now, and I can thoroughly say it is up there with my most disappointing games of the year. Really? Yep. It is a severe downgrade from the first two games, like severely, visually, tonally, mechanically it tries to do way too much very few things that it does it executes properly i'm baffled that this game took five years to make it feels like a mess like i'm surprised because like i've heard a lot of people speak pretty highly about bayonetta 3 and i don't have a and i'm not invested in the series honestly it's not my genre to be honest with you like those action games but just from like listening to other podcasts and reading reviews and stuff, I didn't think there was that much negative. It is by no means a bad game, but when you historically look at Bayonetta 1 and 2, which both performed with like 90s on mm-hmm. Metacritic, like high scores were like exceptional games, like exceptional, like genre defining games. Bayonetta 3 is not. Bayonetta 3 is getting like 8s across the board, which sure is still a good score, but it's clearly a downgrade. There's a reason it's a downgrade, and it's a downgrade in every single capacity. Like, 
I would not say Bayonetta 3 does anything the best in the series. Gameplay-wise, it's a downgrade. Story-wise, it's a downgrade. Music-wise, it's a downgrade. Just, like, everything about it. Visuals is a downgrade. Like, it, it feels like this game is, is a mess. It still has a strong foundation because the other Bayonetta games are so strong and it just builds on that, but it is nothing special, and I'm genuinely surprised at one action game of the year. Another game came out after the Game Awards cut off that I would personally vouch for, maybe not as Game of the Year, but definitely should be recognized as an accomplishment in the year, is the newest big release on Game Pass, High on Life, by Squanch Games, which is the studio created by Justin Roiland, one of the co-creators of Rick and Morty. That game was one of the few bright spots in Microsoft's uh, Summer Games presentation, and the gameplay is the least impressive part of the game like it's just a classic shooter there's not really much depth to it but it's enough to get you from a to b the charm of the game is in the characters and the voice acting like it's amazing that game is so hilarious and it's not even a long game too it's like i I beat the game i think in 10 hours max and a lot of people are saying that there's a game breaking bugs and it doesn't run properly things like that i didn't have that type of experience personally like i played it on my series x and as a huge rick and morty fan it scratched that itch there's so many surprises in that game in terms of like actors appearing in the game that i had no idea were in it and then also just like the fact that they bought the rights to put in justin roiland bought the rights for four full movies like they're bad movies but they're in the game and it's hilarious how they're incorporated in this game I read somewhere this was like the third biggest launch on Game Pass ever. So that's a huge success for Microsoft and for Squanch Games. And I just want them to keep making stuff like this because if it was a little more polished, I think I would actually say this was like maybe in my top five of games of the year. But it's there are frame rate issues and and things like that. But that still was not enough to really sour my experience. Like I just loved everything about this game. Like that's it's one of the funniest games i've ever played so high on life is like a huge 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 two thumbs up for me awesome yeah i'm gonna play it once i finish bayonetta assuming i finish bayonetta before i get crisis core but the last thing i want to mention in housekeeping is um i just started sonic prime the new sonic show on netflix and i can say it's thoroughly enjoyable i really like it i think the characterization spot on I think it lends itself well to being within that main Sonic continuity. And yeah, I, I it took me a little while to adjust to the new voice actors in the show. But by the second or third episode, I was pretty sold on it. And I think it's very intriguing. I think it's very fun. Animation is fantastic. It feels like Sonic. Like that's that's the most important thing with anything Sonic is that it feels like Sonic. And Sonic's had a very strong year this year. I really do feel the like rise of Sonic the Hedgehog as a brand again. And coming off of what I consider to be a very successful game and a highly successful movie, like having this show as well, it's it's just that triple threat. Like everything Sonic is good right now and I'm I'm here for it. Yeah, and the, the one thing I'm watching right now that I'm just absolutely in love with is Ted Lasso on Apple Plus. If you're a Game Pass Ultimate subscriber you can get a three-month free trial for Apple+. Plus. I'm not going to go into the details about how ridiculous it was for me to claim that because of Apple and their 
gatekeepy in a way method to, to actually create an account to watch this that it was an endeavor to say the least but yeah the show is amazing surprisingly i didn't know that it was actually it's a warner bros show that they sold to apple so that was a huge surprise to me but yeah the show is amazing it's not what i thought it was going to be when i went into it it's actually really really deep and really thought provoking and no wonder everyone loves this show. Like I thought it was just going to be a sports comedy, but it's not. It's way more than that. It's so fantastic. It's hilarious. Jason Sudeikis is phenomenal in that show, and I cannot wait for the third season. I'm still not done season two, but I know I'm going to be in love with this show even more by the end of it. I might have to go buy a month of Apple TV just to watch Ted Lasso season three when it's done. Like That's how good that show is. I'd be willing to do that for it. One last piece of housekeeping. As we're talking about television, which is all over the internet right now, but Ash Ketchum is leaving Pokemon. It's bittersweet. It, that's the thing. Is it's bittersweet? I'm glad they're doing it like on a an anniversary year. Like 25 is like a good year to do it. And it does sound like we don't know for sure, but they're like returning him to his roots. They're giving us 11 episodes to say goodbye. Um, we've seen the new characters, and it does seem like design wise that the new main character might have ties to Ash and Ash's Japanese voice actor has come out and said, like, you're not not saying, yeah, like the story's Mm -hmm. not done. So and most like, like, I don't think Pokemon company is stupid when it comes to the anime, regardless of how you feel about the games. I, I don't think that they would retire Ash and not have a legacy piece in there. Like the main character is most likely connected to Ash in some way, whether it be his daughter or, some other kind of connection and i'm certain pikachu is going to be passed down and i'm sure meowth is going to continue as well like with the next villainous team like i'm sure there's still going to be connective tissue and i'm sure there's still going to be characters from the original anime that pop up whether it be ash or other other companions every now and again and i think it's very much going to be that like continuation that allows for newcomers to like really like engage and enjoy, but it doesn't necessarily completely like abandon the past. Yeah. And like, I have the opinion that like the first four series of the Pokemon anime are really, really, really good. It sort of took a dip in my opinion with gen five, but gen six's anime, the X and Y anime is so fantastic. And like gen seven though, right after that was the bottom point. And it's, sort of gotten up a little bit with the Journeys anime. See, some people wouldn't agree with you. Some people would say Gen 7's anime is really strong. Oh, I don't know how they would say that. That Just the visual quality alone is so bad. Like The visual quality was a downgrade, but from what I understand, I don't think the actual anime itself was a downgrade. And it also was the first season where ash actually like technically accomplished his goal yeah and he accomplished his goal with like his worst team ever which makes no sense to me like he lost in the kalos anime and he had an amazing team and he had an amazing team again in the journeys anime which one he the one that he won with but his team in the sun and moon anime was so bad and like I tried giving that show a chance. I just couldn't do it. It was just way too cartoony is like, I, I know that's not a great word, but like, that's how I felt about it. Like it was way more over the top than it had ever been way more cheesy. And the, the, the visual style just did not help it at all. But like I was going to say, like if there was ever a point to end, that would be it. And yeah, I agree with everything you said. I'm actually, I'm really looking forward to this 
final 11 episodes plus the other stuff that they're going to be doing for Ash and it's going to be a great send off. I think that's going to be something that's going to be really special for the Pokemon fan base and I'm going to watch those episodes even when they come out in Japan cuz they'll come out in Japan probably 3 months before they do in the west. I'll watch them then and I'll watch them again like th- this is like it's a big deal. We all grew up with Ash and now he's going to no longer be 10 anymore. <laughs> Ash could potentially be a father, which is like brain breaking. Now, uh, getting out of housekeeping onto the main topic. And boy, this, like, I don't even know where to begin with this. Speaking of bittersweet, we all know that James Gunn and Peter Saverin became the co CEOs of DC Films. And they actually took DC Films out of the Warner Bros. umbrella and DC Films now, or I guess now it's DC Studios, they are their own film studio within Warner Bros. now, similar to how Marvel Studios operates under Disney. So they're their own company within the studio now, and now they're headed by James Gunn and Peter Saverin. And if you don't know who James Gunn is, I mean, where have you been? Peter Saverin has been a producer for DC movies in the past. He did Shazam! The Suicide Squad, uh, Aquaman, like he's been around the block a few times with DC and they're both fantastic choices. You know, Peter Safran is the business side of things and James Gunn's the creative. And I said previously in my 10 minute sort of video essay that I made last year about where I felt the DC film's future was going. At the time, it was not so great of a Time to be a DC fan, in my opinion. I thought that was a disastrous direction that Walter Hamada wanted to take the franchise. Now Hamada's gone. We've gotten Black Adam. Peacemaker Season 1 came out. The studio has sort of changed course from there again now with James Gunn. And all signs point to that the DCEU is going to end. They're going to be starting from scratch. They're rebooting, pulling the plug, ripping the Band-Aid off, like however you want to say it. Like... And honestly, even though that means we're not going to have Henry Cavill as Superman or Ben Affleck as Batman, potentially all these beloved characters are are being recast. Even though we won't have them anymore, I have to say the way I feel right now, like I haven't been this excited for the future of DC movies since the 2013 film slate came out for the DCEU. I'm buzzing right now, just even thinking about what could be coming ahead and we kind of have an idea of what could be coming ahead and we'll probably talk about it but jules what do you think i think a full reboot is coming i think it's necessary no matter what people wanted people wanted cavill people wanted this universe turn itself around it has been condemned for a long time there's no turning it around at this point it's been too muddied and even things like henry cavill like Henry Cavill is something that the hardcore DC fans want. And the hardcore DC fans have already been going to see these movies. The casuals don't care about Henry Cavill. Like, they genuinely don't. And as much as I do want to see Henry Cavill as Superman again, it never was going to be what this universe needed if they want to get to a Marvel-like state. They really do need to restart completely. Mm -hmm. So I, I think it is a clean break. Um, I don't think there is going to be any actors 
from the previous saga of DC movies coming back, except in like vastly different roles, like the rumored Jason Momoa as Lobo. But I do think that doesn't mean they'll never come back. I think that what everybody needs to recognize is that the DC, whatever we want to call it, the new DCU. James Gunn's saying DCU, so they're ditching the E. So it's going to be a little confusing. Yeah, but I think isn't that talking about like the entire multiverse? Based on his tweets, because like he's very active on Twitter, James Gunn. He just keeps repeating DCU, DCU, DCU. So I think that's what he's trying to push in media and into and the fan base saying, this is what we're going to be referring to it as. So I'm okay. going to be calling DCU. So, yeah, well, I'm not going to call it anything yet, but either way, what I was about to say is I think that this new iteration of the DCU needs to establish itself the way that Marvel did. And it needs to take its time. And I think that what others are not recognizing is it doesn't mean Henry Cavill will never get his time in the sun again. It doesn't mean that like Margot Robbie and these other great things about the DCEU won't come back again. It's that they're going to be gone for a long time. Look at Marvel, right? Marvel took a long, long, long time to build up the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And now we're getting to this point in time where they're extending even further outside their boundaries right they're bringing in like toby Maguire's spider-man and hugh jackman and deadpool and like there's more rumors that some of the fox universe mutants are going to be integrated into the mcu and we're going to see more like of these characters from the other like marvel films kind of like come in that's something that dc can look at doing way down the line when they've successfully restarted this universe given new fresh takes on all of these superheroes a time to seep in have their stories be unburdened by the baggage of the dc movies and then bring in those elements when the time is right in a fresh way right like it doesn't matter that Tobey Maguire's last Spider-Man film was Spider-Man 3, which was universally accepted to be dog Everybody was excited when he came back because what they remember are the highs, not the lows. And the same will be said about something like Henry Cavill. In 10 years, if they do Crisis on Infinite Earths and they start bringing in like actors from the DCEU or even prior, like they bring in Michael Keaton's Batman or whatever, at that point in time, people are going to be willing to accept just the positives, right? They're going to be like, oh yeah, I remember how much I loved Henry Cavill's Superman and they're going to forget about Batman versus Superman because we're in a fresh new universe. Same thing with Margot Robbie, right? They're going to be like, wow, what an amazing Harley Quinn that I miss, completely forgetting how crappy Suicide Squad was. Like, that's what needs to happen. There are great things about the DCU. There were so many successes, but it will never escape the baggage. And we need something fresh and we need something new. And I, it's the right call. It's just the right call. James Gunn's doing what they should have done years ago. And there has just been far too many controversies. Like there was what happened with Zack Snyder and him being fired. There's the stuff with Joss Whedon when he got hired on Justice League. And then there's the Amber Heard stuff, the recent Ezra Miller stuff. Like what's going on with The Rock, David Ayer. Like 
even the Batgirl stuff, like, it's just like there's too many, yeah, there's too many demerits that aren't even within the universe. It's like outside of the universe. Exactly. Like, and they've changed their direction so many times that, like, it got to the point where, like, they weren't even focusing on their main characters anymore. Like, you had a string of movies, like, as good as I thought Shazam and Birds of Prey and, and movies like that were, like, they were not your Superman and Batman. Like, and then when they did do a big character with Wonder Woman 1984, I thought that movie was awful. Like, Wonder Woman 1984 yeah. dropped the ball. And I feel like that was, for me, the point when that movie came out. It's like, okay, maybe we should take a step back because they got yeah. this really, really, really wrong. Well, I think the problem, too, is like, it's not just the change in direction, but it's like what caused them to change direction, right? Like, it's one thing to commit to something and it just doesn't work out. It's another thing to just want something to work so badly that you constantly 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 shift because that's the thing is it doesn't matter that the dc movies that have come out and the dc projects that have come out in the last let's say three four years have been on average good there's been no direction because the problem is they kept jumping between what they wanted to do because they basically mm -hmm. like once they had one failure they're like oh no, no no let's steer in a different way then right like like they let Snyder kind of do his thing, but then they pivoted away from his stuff and they canceled their slate, shifted their slate, right? Like after like things didn't succeed the way they wanted. And then from there on out, it was like anytime there was one little road bump, they shifted gears and they shifted gears. And it's like, okay, well now Superman's going to come back. Now he's not. Now there's going to be a new Superman. Now there's not. Now the Black Adam's the future of the universe. Now it's not like, it's just too much shifting that there was no there was no direction and and the direction it sounded like it was going in was going to be building to like black adam being a major player in the DCU which is i mean it's not right it's not right it's that's the thing <laughs> it's it's like if you look at marvel right now for example nowhere would you ever have predicted that ant-man and doctor strange and like the guardians of the galaxy would have been like headlining characters right of the of a marvel universe like nowhere would have you predicted that but the difference being that the big ones captain america and iron man and and thor and spider-man now that he's like in it and the avengers like all of they got their time in the sun. Their whole story is played out. They retired as characters. And now these other characters that were supporting characters for a long time have been like grandfathered in as like the new main characters. And so even though they're not the biggest characters, even though Ant-Man isn't Spider-Man, Ant-Man isn't Wolverine, we've also just watched like 10 years of Ant-Man's story. So we're invested and it's easier to make him a big character versus like throwing like, Black Adam, who ultimately is like a C tier, may I wouldn't even call him a B tier. He's he's like a C tier DC character, just in his first movie, like positioning him as like the future of the DC. Like that's the wrong way to do it. That's just not gonna work because none of the characters that mattered. The Flash still hadn't gotten a movie. Cyborg hadn't been seen since Justice League. Green Lantern still hadn't gotten a movie. Superman had one film and just disappeared. His story wasn't even done. Batman disappeared. His story wasn't even done. Wonder Woman had two films. Like Aquaman hadn't hasn't even had a second film come out. And that's the issue. Is like you have all these major characters that either did not have their stories concluded, 
or just were dropped completely or never started. So and that's no way to tell a story. Like no, at it's the end not. of the day. And James Gunn pointed this out. Like he said, he knew get it, going into the job that what he wanted to do was going to pick a lot of people off. And like he made the right call to pull the plug, rip the bandaid off. Like that had to be done. But if these movies are good, like that's a big thing. Like we have to see these movies come and these tv shows and it's actually going to be movies tv shows and games like and animation it's all going to be supposedly under this umbrella now that we have to see the finished product but if the finished products are really good that's a win-win-win fans win the company wins and the creators win so that's the only way you're going to get many people happy as possible is if you do this and as we just said, like the brand, the franchise has needed this. It's been stale and movies that should make a lot of money are not making money now. And I think the reason why people are not going to the theaters now is because they just don't care. Once the general audience can get excited about hey, a new Superman, a new Batman, again, I guess a new, another new Batman, like Green Lantern can come back. Like that is genuinely exciting. And DC can make a huge statement by going all in and they have the ability to do that they have the characters like good chunk of their core cast have existed for almost 90 years and they have fans of all age groups and if they can make a universe that everyone can get behind it can be something really special i said that in my video like it was a shame for what they were doing with superman and walter hamada's tenure like he benched their biggest character if Zack Snyder's Justice League, like I consider that movie to be, you know, 2017, it, it, even though it came out last year, that movie would have come out in 2017. Superman was not in a movie for five years. It was five years between Snyder's Cut and Black Adam. You cannot have Superman out for five years. And I'm sorry, like that's not a way to run a franchise. Yeah. Not at all. James Gunn said Superman is one of the biggest, if not the biggest priority going forward for DC Studios. And to me, that was the thing I wanted to hear for years. And if that means that Henry Cavill can't be in it, then so be it. I love the character more than the actor. As amazing as the actor yeah. is, it's all about the characters. Yeah. And Ben Affleck's Batman was my favorite Batman and Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman's phenomenal. Zachary Levi Shazam's amazing. But if they can't come back, so be it. If that means we can have a coherent, well-connected, amazing, optimistic, bright DC future, so be it. And that's yeah. where I'm at. And I'm a huge Snyder fan. And I love Henry Cavill Superman. Man of Steel is one of my favorite movies of all time. And and I'm ready to say that. Like, I, I'm ready for the change. They'll find ways to incorporate them, right? Like, that's the thing. The silver lining of Man of Steel never getting a sequel. The silver lining of Flash being in development hell. And Ben Affleck's Batman never really getting a movie to himself. Is that these characters have not had stories told on the big screen in actually a long time. So the characters that might be at the um, fatigue of their stories are characters mm -hmm. like Shazam and Aquaman. And if I'm being honest with you, other than Wonder Woman, they can easily bench Aquaman for their first phase or even two if they really, really wanted. Wonder Woman, they're definitely going to have to find a way to do Wonder Woman because you can't do it without Wonder Woman. But they, they'll find a way. Because even with Wonder Woman, like, 
really Wonder Woman 1984 wasn't seen by a ton of people. It didn't do very well. So for a lot of people, the last time they saw Wonder Woman was either Justice League or, or the first one. And also, like by the time they get things going here, it's going to be a while since Wonder Woman 1984. Like that movie came out yeah. in 2020. So they might start this. Like I figure they're going to probably start production on the first movie next year that will probably yeah. come out in what 2025 maybe yeah so if the universe starts in 2025 you might not have your wonder woman movie until 2026 2027 28 and that's the thing is they can always interpret her story very differently because there has only been one real like lens of wonder woman's story told so in i really film. do think in film but that's what i mean is i think a lot of these characters are going to be fine because like Superman hasn't had a story told in a long time. So he's going to be fine. Reinterpreting him is going to be fine. Flash sure will have a story told this year, but that movie's going to bomb at the box office. Like, and most people aren't going to take it as like the only flash that a new flash has to compete with is going to be the TV show flash. Um, but even, even then like their A-listers for the first phase of DC movies can be such a different group of heroes. Like they can do Superman. They can do Green Lantern who hasn't been touched. They can do Flash and they don't even need to do Barry Allen if they don't want. They can do Wally West and and do something different with that, right? Like they haven't t- really touched Martian Manhunter. Sure, they've done Batman, but like Batman will be fine. Like I they'll figure out Batman. And then like they don't need to do Aquaman. They don't need to do shazam anytime soon like they can put those on the back burner and just focus on different characters right maybe they do hawk girl right like they can go with a lineup that's more closely tied to like justice league i think it's unlimited right wasn't it martian manhunter hawk girl well the justice league the animated series that's the one that's the one yeah Mm -hmm. unlimited was the sequel that like blew the doors open for the whole universe if they focus on the characters that have had space and time, then by the time that they want to introduce Aquaman and Shazam, they can, and they can do them very differently, right? Like Aquaman doesn't can be more traditional. Like he's been in the past, or they can go a different direction with Aquaman. Give him the hook hand. (laughs) Shazam can be very different as well. Like, or, but that's the thing is like, maybe what they do with a future Shazam movie is they be more sparing in how they use Shazam the hero. Like maybe the, main character really is the kid and really like the the adult form of shazam is a little bit more sparing like they can they can introduce him in a different way and maybe zachary zachary levi still plays the adult version of shazam but he's just not the lead anymore whoever the kid is is the lead like i don't know like there's there's ways to tell these stories in very different very fresh ways and i don't think any of the characters in dc because of how much of a mess dc was were really overused to the point that it will be hard to see new interpretations of of them. I think the only two that are going to take a lot of time to readjust to are going to be Wonder Woman and Harley Quinn because Wonder Woman was like that was the first Wonder Woman in live action film and Gal Gadot like stole everybody's heart and I think Margot Robbie, like Harley Quinn, was the most used DC character in the DCEU. And she did a fantastic job. Whereas mm-hmm. we've had such a break from Cavill. We've had such a break from Affleck. Ezra Miller's barely showed up. Jason Momoa, like, is great as Aquaman. But uh, again, like, Aquaman's barely been used, really. Like, 
I really think people will be fine. The thing that really makes me excited is what James Gunn said on Twitter. I think it was last week. He's like, someone asked him, hey, how are you going to balance your big characters and your more obscure characters? And James Gunn just straight up said, like, our universe is going to incorporate everything. Like, there's going to be a good mix of the big prime characters you came here to see and also characters you haven't heard of. And like, he's been posting pictures and like people have talked to him about captain Adam. And like he sent, he showed pictures of Lobo of Mr. Terrific. Like he loves green arrow. Like green arrow is one of his favorite characters. Like I think there's going to be a justice league. That's very similar to the justice league that is currently uh, in the comics which is like your your main characters like it's Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Green Arrow and Black Canary are in that Justice League. There's uh Zatanna, Hawkgirl, like mm-hmm. John Stewart is the main Green Lantern as well. Like and and I might be forgetting it's a big Justice League, but like it's going to be that Justice League you know from the animated series which actually didn't have Aquaman in it and that's what I think is going to happen. I don't think Aquaman's going to be a founding member. Because we're recording this near the end of December. Aquaman 2 is good, is a year away still from the time we're recording this, which is mind-bending. There's four DC movies coming out in 2023. So I think that Justice League is going to be the main seven members from the, the show exactly the way they are. Maybe you swap out Wally West for Barry Allen, because I think they should do a Teen Titans thing. And then I would want Wally West to be in that. De- James Gunn said, we are taking inspiration from the animated universe, the Bruce Tim one. And he also mentioned Young Justice. And yeah. by mentioning Young Justice, they're going to really, really utilize these sidekick characters. And that's how you naturally build out your fail-safes for when your characters either age out or their contracts expire, whatever. If the guy that plays yeah. Batman doesn't want to be Batman anymore, you have the guy that's playing Dick Grayson is your new Batman. It doesn't need to be Batman, though. You can just retire Batman, and at that point... Yeah, or like the guy that is Speedy. Well, Speedy is now Red Arrow, and he's in the Justice League instead of Green Arrow. You have all these Flashes, all these Lanterns, all these, like, the the, the Amazons. There's Wonder Woman. There's one. There's so many Wonder Girls. Like, there's just so many characters that you know have the succession plan already in there. It's not like how in the MCU where you scratch your head, like, well, who's the next Captain America-type character going to be? Or the next... Iron Man, well, you have these clear-cut paths that DC has had, and these characters have been around for so long. Their stories are phenomenal. Like, it's just so exciting. I'm thinking, like, the Blue Beetle movie that's coming up, they, they finished filming, but, like, they have to do reshoots and stuff still. And the filming wrapped before James Gunn was officially uh, the head of DC Films. Blue Beetle could even be the launch of this franchise. He's a character that should be in a DC universe. I don't think they'd launch this franchise with Blue Beetle. I, I think that would be a very bad mistake. No, but think about it. Like That movie doesn't need to be connected to anything. And maybe in a few years after the the first few movies come out, then you'll see that Zolo, I think it's Merduena, uh, I don't remember his name, his Blue Beetle will be in the new movies. It's a shame if that movie gets put out to die. Like he's such a fan favorite character, but like I personally think this Superman movie that James Gunn's writing, that's going to be the first movie to kick off the franchise. And I yes. love the direction that it's it's going in where like it's not going to be an origin story. 
He's going to be Superman for a few years already. He's going to have his job in the Daily Planet. It'll be a Superman origin story in the way that the Batman is a is a Batman origin exactly. story, right? That works so well for the Batman. And they're essentially just doing the Superman version of it. Yeah, which works. You know, you can have Superman go against a more threatening villain because he's been on the job for a while already. And you can have the... Like, I don't want to see Krypton blow up again. That's Man of Steel just did that so well. Nothing could top that, in my opinion, anymore. And, like, obviously, it's like you don't want to see Uncle Ben die in a movie again. You don't want to see Bruce Wayne's parents die, like... I do want to see it. I, I don't want to see it be a focal point. Like, like the Batman still kind of like did the, the Martha Wayne and Thomas Wayne death, right? They just did yeah. it in a different way. And that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of what I'm hoping. And actually, just to kind of double back to what you said about Blue Beetle, I'm imagining the Blue Beetle situation, the way you're describing it at least, and how they could do it, is would be very similar to like what Marvel's just done with Daredevil, where they kind of just keep it in this like, is it or is it not part of the universe kind of state for for a bunch like a, a while until they actually want to introduce Blue Beetle and then they can retcon it in if they want that kind of state. Especially if they're taking inspiration from Young Justice, like the show specifically, Blue Beetle is a big, big part of that show. Well, it, d- it depends on what they're taking. But I, I do think that that is a very, very, very key way that they can, one, differentiate their universe from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and two, also provide very fresh stories for all these characters, is that one thing that the DCEU completely got wrong, like completely got wrong, other than the tone, is that it also misrepresented DC, because DC, you're right, has that big legacy piece built in. Every character has these sidekick characters. And that was barely explored in DCEU. I don't even think at all. And it's not really explored in Marvel. Batman had a Robin. That's that's a cop-out. Just mentioning them, that is yeah. not a story, right? Like that, that That's what I mean. Apparently Dick Grayson, too, which I have a huge problem with. That was the Robin that died. Like, they can go F themselves. We don't need to go into that. But <laughs> yeah. what I mean is, like, this is a way to tell fresh stories that are not only differentiated from Marvel's stories but also from their old stories because for example how do you tell another batman story alongside robert pattinson's batman while also coming off of like ben affleck's and christian bales and all these other interpretations the the only story that hasn't been told in batman film like at least not well is a batman and robin story like yes it was told Mm -hmm. in the campy old ones but like they could easily do like if they make that the heart if Gunn goes to Matt Reeves and says, listen, I know you were toying around with this idea of maybe introducing Robin into your universe. Don't, because that's what we want to do in the mainline DC movie. And then have all of Batman's movies be like this mentor, like this almost like Last of Us kind of style or God of War style storytelling of like, you know, heart of gold, grizzled old man, like not necessarily old man, but like older man, like mentoring a young youth that's like carrying this burden of trauma into like dealing with it. Like those are stories that are hot right now. Like those are stories that are doing very well right now. Like that's why Logan was successful. That's why things like God of War and last of us are successful. And if they tell a story like that with Batman, it'll work. If they tell a story like that with wonder woman, what if they make the heart of the next wonder woman movie, like the relationship between Diana and Donna, like if if they do those kinds of stories, I think it will very 
much differentiate them from Marvel's movies because they very rarely do that. And it will also allow them to tell fresh stories that still introduce the characters to the audience, but it introduces them by introducing them to these characters, right? Like you're reintroducing who Batman is by having him introduce himself to Dick Grayson and mentor him, right? Like it's a different kind of lens that you place onto these characters that we've seen done to death in film. The thing that gets me most excited is what they're going to do with Green Lantern because there was supposed to be a Green Lantern movie in the initial DCEU slate in like 2019 or 2020. And then that have sort of evolved into a Green Lantern show that's in development hell right now. That literally reboot, like they, they started from scratch like three weeks before James Gunn got hired or something like that. And they were going to pivot it from the auxiliary lanterns like Guy Gardner and stuff like that. They were going to go back to making it like a John Stewart or Hal Jordan type story. Now Gunn gets hired. They're not even going to bother making that show now, especially with like how HBO Max is changing things. I really think Green Lantern is either going to be the second or third movie in the slate. Like, I think Superman's starting, and then it's going to be like a character like Green Arrow, just say. Like, I think Green Arrow could really have a fantastic film now. Like, and the audience for that character is bigger now, for better or for worse, because of the Arrow show. But, like, and then Green Lantern, like, Green Lantern is a gold mine. And that movie can connect to a lot of stuff because Hal Jordan or Jon Stewart, yes, they are in space, but they're also on Earth. So you can sow the seeds of like a character like uh, like a, like a dark side or Mongol or even like a Superman villain like or like Lobo even like can be in a Green Lantern movie like as a cameo or something. And you can tease you the big threat that you're building up towards in a Green Lantern movie. And because the Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern came out, it would probably be like 15 years ago by the time this one comes out. Hal Jordan has to be the first Green Lantern on this earth unless you do like a Justice Society thing. If Hal Jordan is the main Green Lantern, he can be off doing his own thing, but the movie can focus on Jon Stewart. And then Hal Jordan can be a side character or something in it, similar to how it was in the animated movies. But like, it's going to be a movie that just takes the universe away from Earth. And to me, that is where DC is most exciting. Because Cosmic DC is so fantastic, and that can lead to so many things that I just don't even have the time to talk about, like New Gods and things like that. And like Green Lantern, because the Lantern Corps, they've been around for so long in the lore of DC, and their reach is so wide. That can be an event, like it can build up towards like even like a Brightest Day, Blackest Night type storyline. I think I agree with everything you were saying there. Like, I think that there's a lot of potential for where this universe can build if they started out with that kind of cosmic element of both Superman and Green Lantern. And I think that that's definitely where they need to go, considering that Green Lantern is the single biggest character that they didn't touch in the DCEU. And I just think it's natural. It's a great place to to start this next storyline, I think. Um, and I think if they root it more in the cosmic sense, it also gives you time to like character other characters like batman breathe if you really wanted to and like the thing i'm most excited about going into this new era for dc is that they're building a vision from day one before they start shooting anything and when man of steel came out i definitely didn't get the idea or the feeling that 
they had planned anything out beyond that. They were just sort of putting their feelers out with Man of Steel. Yeah, there was Easter eggs for potential things to come, but the plan didn't really start snowballing until after Man of Steel. James Gunn and and Peter Safran and they like they've already built their plan. Like they have a ten year plan. If they're already putting things together now, they know where they want the story to go. They're not just going to make stuff up, right? Like they've put a lot of thought into it already, and that is what you want to hear as a fan like these creatives actually care about the characters like they don't they know what they're doing even if the stuff doesn't make money like they're going to keep going with what they have because they believe in it that's what i really appreciate about james gunn like he's a big like i've heard interviews with him before like even before he got fired from guardians of the galaxy like he cares about comic books and he cares about characters like you're gonna have that james gunn humor and things here and there but like this guy was Kevin Feige's right hand. Like he was supposed to be in charge of Galactic Marvel before the fallout happened with him. Like he is qualified for this job, especially if he's only doing the creative end of things. So like people complaining and panicking right now, I think is not warranted. Like wait and see for what's to come. Then you can say what you want. Like give the guy a chance and this is going to be, I think, the start of something really special. And we're going to find out very, very soon what the first handful of projects are going to be. Do I think the video game and animation sort of connection is going to pan out in the long run? No, like I, I don't think they're going to really care too much about that because I think that's casting the net too big. But like, if they can keep movies and TV shows connected... That's a really good approach, and I hope they don't really dilute things as much as Marvel has been, in my opinion. Things are going to get going quick. DC fans, we've been through a lot, and hopefully they keep the controversies to a minimum going forward. With that being said, do you want to wrap things up, Jules? That brings us to the end of today's quest. If you like what you heard today, hit that like, subscribe, or follow button. And if you want to contribute to the conversation, let us know any ideas for upcoming episodes or share your thoughts about what you think is going to happen with DC, maybe movies you want to see James Gunn and Peter Safran green light, leave us a comment, continue uh, joining the conversation. We'll see you next time at the hub. I do want to say before we kind of sign off, this will be our last um, episode for 2022. It has been a very strong year of podcasts. Um, We did less podcasts this year than we did last year, but we still did a solid 25 episodes look forward to 2023 where we'll continue to have content probably more similar in timeline to 2022 but we're excited for another year of content um, and we're going to kick that off with our own hub world awards in january so um, we'll see you there for episode 71 of the hub world podcast mateo would you like to sign us off one last time in 2022 microsoft make a new banjo game and james gunn Announce something with Nightwing in it. See everybody.